comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to the Walking Dead TV Podcast, episode 93, our commentary on the season three episode, Killer Within. And join with me tonight for this episode commentary are Mr. Brad Milo and Mr. Dr. Esquire himself, Jordan from Jersey. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. It's good to hear your voices. I haven't podcasted yeah, with you in a while. I've uh, Life... Life gets in the way, brother. Yeah, I haven't been on an episode of Walking Dead since before the season finale, so it's uh, it's been a while for me. There's one thing we probably should mention, since it's not news, but something that just came out. Um, I have not had a chance to play it yet, but if you liked the Walking Dead game from Telltale, that was the point-and-click one with, uh, with Lee and Clementine, they just released a standalone... Uh, well, I don't know if it's standalone or just DLC, but DLC for the game called Walking Dead 400 Days, which is focusing on five other people in the 400-day period after the initial outbreak, where you play as all five of them, and you can play them in any order, but whichever order you play in will impact the other players, you, you, the other characters you play as throughout the game. So it's supposed to be really good. I have not gotten a chance to sit down with it yet, but it's out. So not really news. It's just, hey, go pick it up if you want it. And uh, if you like that original game, like I did quite a bit, uh, I think it'll definitely be worth the money. The review scores I've seen have been very positive. Indeed. So before we get to our episode commentary, Russ, why don't you tell us about our wonderful sponsor? Well, Jordan, our sponsor for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can save tons of money on all your comics, uh, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, uh, toys, magazines, books, all kinds of stuff. If you can order it in previews, you can get it through Discount Comic Book Service. Uh, some of the specials they have this month are the new The Star Wars, uh, Dark Horse's adaptation of George Lucas's original draft for Star Wars. Issue 1 of 8, you can get it for 50% off at $1.99. The Star Wars Darth Vader Ninth Assassin hardcover, which is an excellent miniseries, uh, really cool uh, series that Dark Horse is, is doing. You can get that for $12.49. That's also 50% off. All Marvel and DC new hardcovers and trade paperbacks are all available for 50% off, which is a huge deal. Another special they got going on this month is the DC Villains July Bundle, where... DC is doing this huge Villains Month month thing where all of the covers have these lenticular uh, 3D holographic type type of covers. 
Um, and there's just a ton of books this month that are all switching over to that. You can get the whole bundle at 50% off, which uh, saves you a ton of money. So the final price on that is 105.73, where regular retail would have been 211.47. Uh, so if you're into all the kind of gimmicky cover things, you might want to check that out and not pay full retail at your comic shop. Walking Dead related. Um, there's a Walking Dead Spanish language trade paperback volume one that you can get for 50% off for $7.49, which I thought is really interesting. that They're going to start translating this into other languages to just keep that uh, money train rolling for the Walking Dead. Um, why not? Um, issue The regular issue of the comic, which they're up to issue... 114 you can get for 40% off it's a dollar 79 and there's uh, tons of new walking dead tv series figures they have a bunch of assortments set up um, and those are retailing for uh, 15169 uh, and again that's an assortment so you get basically a whole box of uh, various figures so definitely check them out um, th these are for the july orders which it it's the very beginning of august when you're hearing this uh, they will accept late orders. I myself am uh, a, a huge culprit of uh, placing late orders, and uh, they gladly accept those late orders. So, you know, usually if you're in the first week or so, you can get those in. Uh, if you have any trouble, you know, give them an email, a heads up that you're you're submitting a late order, but it should not be a problem whatsoever. And within a few days, you should see the August orders come up. So in the next episode, we will be talking about the August orders. So, again... Um, head over to DCBService.com or their sister site, InStockTrades.com, for all of your trade paperbacks and hardcovers. And we thank them of their support for the Walking Dead TV podcast. So I guess we'll get our stuff rolling here on this commentary episode. The way we're going to do this, um, because we're doing this with a, a digital file uh, that we have here, uh, when the Blu-rays come out or the DVDs, or if you're working off of iTunes or Amazon Instant Video or, you know, who knows where you'll get a hold of, of this episode at some point in the future. If it's on your DVR and you just plan on uh, doing it that way and then skipping through the commercials uh, and trying to follow along, we are going to start with a point where the episode starts. It's after any of the previously on The Walking Dead, um, where the the episode just shows up with the focus on the the gas can, the red gas can, like front and center on the screen. So if you want... we. Go ahead and um, hit pause on your podcast uh, device of choice. Cue your file up to that point, and then we will do a three, two, one uh, countdown, and then tell you to go ahead and press play, and you will be synced up with us as we take you through episode four, Killer Within. So go ahead and pause now. All right, everybody, we are ready to go. So three, two, one, play. Mm-mm-mm, venison. The person's hands was dirty enough to be a zombie. Yeah. Well, I think probably most of that was just to keep the person's identity as uh, concealed as possible. That brought back uh, bad memories for me. I've actually hit a couple deer in my rural area out, out here in Texas, and uh, not fun. So far, I've been lucky enough not to hit any deer in my rural, rural area in New Jersey, but uh, pretty much everybody in my extended family has at one point in their driving careers. Yummy. Zombies are easily distracted. <laughs> hey, there's new meat over here. 
This meat is more fresh than the meat we had. So now when we last left Andrew, he had been kicked out of the prison by Rick, and we had seen someone looking in from the woods. We didn't know who it was. We I think at the time we were speculating it was one of the governor's people, maybe Merle. But uh, no, it's Andrew here in his, uh, I guess those are shoes. At first they look like slippers. How do you know it's Andrew? Because I've seen the episode before. Yeah, but at this point, we don't know who it is. I'm going to hope that anybody who's watching an episode commentary has already seen the actual episode. You know what they say when you assume, Jordan? You're probably podcasting. <laughs> Looking forward to the season four opening. Yeah. Did they have the same one for seasons one and two? I th- no, they're a little different. Just yeah, with, like, the names, though, right? Right, or yeah, not was much. there actual different footage? I'm waiting to hear the, the new song they put in the opening trailer, you know, that we always adopt for our show open. I'm yeah. interested to hear what that's going to be. Yeah. You're going to be really ticked off when it's Justin Bieber, Brad. Yep. <laughs> I will. Unless it's that baby, baby song. If they can find a way to organically work that into the season trailer. And there, of course, is Carol's head wrap, which would give us so much consternation through several episodes of the season. Even in the zombie apocalypse, when there's barely any humans left, two people can't find any privacy. (laughs) Could you be more obvious, Glenn? I just like that they don't make a big deal out of it. They just kind of laugh it off as, you know, two kids having fun. (laughs) And, you know, why not in the world we live in and just kind of meander on. Now, if memory serves, last episode he kind of told them they were on their own not to, you know, you get that side of the fence, we get this side. Uh, The last episode we had seen them, yes, because episode three is all set in Woodbury. Right, that's what I meant, last time we saw these guys. Which I believe, I didn't say this, and neither did Jim during uh, the episode three commentary, but I believe that's like the only episode in the entire series where Rick does not appear. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Wait, didn't he appear at the very end with the binoculars looking out? No, not of not of episode three. Okay. Vincent Ward on the right there, he's a very nice guy and uh we forgot to announce the I forgot to announce the name of the person that won that, but they tweeted uh, they were the first Twitter response no, the uh, first email response to me and they won the signed autographed copy of that uh, Vincent Warren photo, and I can't remember your name, but you know who you are. No T-Dog jokes this episode for me, I promise. <laughs> 
I was just actually at, about to ask what he was looking at, because Rick is looking very intently at Oscar, and uh, T-Dog was looking off in a different direction entirely. Did I His leave the iron on? <laughs> And that dude's big in person. I mean, he's like ginormous. Meh. What'd you say his name was again? Because he's got an excellent voice. Vincent Ward. Vincent Ward. You know what happens when you become the voice of reason on this show. <laughs> You're not along for the world. Nope. I like how they're still worried about Oscar, or not about Oscar, but about uh, Axel in particular being unstable. And it turns out he's actually just a pretty awesome guy. Yeah. A little creepy, but kind of a nice guy. really do miss seeing T-Dog on the show. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm pulling this out of thin air, but I, I seem to remember this is probably the last story of Rick's career that he brings up uh, to this point in the season, or in, in the series, because he had done it a lot in seasons one to two. Yeah. And quite honestly, I'm not that upset that they kind of did away with that. It kind of gets a little repetitive and boring. Yeah, but I like, I like that Rick. I like when we see Rick being, I guess, authoritative, confident, you know, just kind of like the voice of reason or what have you, um, but not being like coming off as cocky or pushy. It's, it's the right balance. And I think, uh, again, I think Andrew Lincoln brings a lot of that to to what we're seeing. Not to get too far ahead, but how's how do you guys like the promo image so far of season four with Michonne on the horse? <laughs> it was unexpected for sure, but I liked it. Awesome. For a, for a split second when I first saw it, I was like, oh, wow, we've never seen a horse on The Walking Dead before. And then I was like, of course we have. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. I wonder what a zombie horse would be like. Probably not very good for riding. No. Don't you see some zombie horses in uh, uh, Game of Thrones? They're not technically like... Well, I guess they are kind of zombies. It'd be cool watching a zombie ride a zombie horse. (laughs) Yeah. The trotting dead. Galloping dead. Well, if if zombie people can't run, could uh, a zombie horse gallop? 
Not I don't really. So they haven't given Michonne at this point a lot of dialogue. I think this is at this point probably the most we've heard from her in in one in one clip in the season. But she tells a lot. I, I didn't notice it until you know watching it now. But she says so much with her eyes, just the way she looks and and responds and and, and reacts to everything. I just like, like I said, I hadn't noticed it as much as as noticing it now. Uh, especially when the governor kind of turned her, you know, was talking to her and she was facing away. But then when she's talking to him, she's just stone cold. Like, she doesn't give anything away. She doesn't, you know, she keeps her cards close to the vest. He didn't quite know what to make of her. Nope. <laughs> well, neither did much much of the viewing audience at this point either. Yeah. He ain't buying it. Daryl keeps that motorcycle in meticulous condition. That SS logo, is that a German logo? Yes, it is. And I believe he specifically had said it some point earlier that it is Merle's bike, not his. I cannot it's imagine. Like he's, oh, go ahead. Looks like it looked like Carl. Uh, there's the smile, the knowing look. <laughs> it looks like Carl was filling that. What's going to end up being a silencer, filling it with some kind of material to actually do the muffling of the sound. I was guessing that he was trying to clean it with steel wool, which I don't know how effective that would be. But that that is actually an interesting uh, question, though. You know. Guns need to be regularly cleaned and maintained to be particularly useful. And in this world, how often do they have access to those kinds of materials and chemicals and all that kind of stuff? I would imagine just, you know, while they've gotten supplies and they found bullets and things things like that, a gun cleaning kit is probably somewhat just as readily available, if not more readily available than the ammo and everything with it. I mean, you can get a gun cleaning kit anywhere. I guess that's true. At least in Texas, that's that's the case. Well, and anybody who owns a gun, any place they find a gun is probably going to have them. Right. And any place where someone already looted the gun, you know, uh, know, some random looter might not think to to take the gun cleaning kit. They might not know enough about guns. I'll have a uh, number five with cheese, uh, Dr. Pepper, and a gun cleaning kit, please. (laughs) She's like, yeah. 
I found evidence that doesn't even in the remotest way possible contradict his story. So that's, of course, what I'm going to believe. Look up in the left corner there. There was a Suburban driving. I wonder if that was supposed to be there. Yep. It looked like maybe that was Carol moving this vehicle. Yeah. On that wide shot of of the two prisoners when um, Glenn was walking away. I see the Suburban up there on the right. It's gone now, but... No, I see I, what you're talking about. Yeah, I didn't know if that was a mistake or... I had forgotten they had that actually had that vehicle at the prison. Is that one of the ones they escaped from the farm with? Like remember. that one right there, the the red. That's the one the I'm referring one. to, yeah. yeah. But the the dark gray one in in the back. I don't remember. I don't recall. But they, they've certainly had nine months to find replacement vehicles. They kind of dropped that scene. Amy and Carl there, not Amy, but a Beth and Carl there, kind of dropped that little flirtatious question mark relationship. Pretty quickly, I think. Something tells me I think they'll heat that up next season. I don't know why I think that, but she's maybe because the actor is going to be a little grown up, looking more than he is the last couple seasons. Yeah. Well, plus they just had a lot of other stuff going on in the second half of this season. Yeah. Well, and Beth is going to be a series regular as of season four, so which would assume a little more screen time. You know, we sometimes criticize the CG on the show, but they really did a great job on his leg for the most part. Yeah. I was thinking that, especially on that shot, because in that shot, his actual leg, you know, covered in blue or green or whatever it is, was crossing in front of his other leg, and yet the way they handled that, you know, they had to digitally paint in, in every frame, they had to digitally paint in what would have been behind that camouflage limb, and it it looked... It looked complete. It was really well done. Now, do you think he's holding up his lower leg behind him? I think for some, a lot of the shots, he is. I loved that shot that we just saw. Yeah. It was a wide shot, and the camera moved, and it never cut away, and then as soon as it came back, that whole horde was back there. It was really well done. I, I particularly like how in this particular set of scenes, they use the... the uh, the, not cage, but the um, the fence around the prison very effectively in, in an unexpected way to separate the most effective members of the group from the ones who are actually in danger. Maggie actually missed a headshot. I think that's one of the first missed headshots we've seen. It was an off day. She hadn't had her <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Nice steady cam camera work on those shots of Rick and Daryl. Yeah. This really worked for me, this scene as a whole. I mean, I think a lot of times in action movies, when characters get separated with things like this happening, it seems very unnatural 
or forced. Um, and there may have been a little of that here, but it just they, they did a good enough job trying to promote chaos that you really, at least for me, it, it's I was sold. And especially with Rick. I mean, him and Lori finally just kind of shared a look after being at odds at each other for so long. And just the intensity of him just trying to get back at her was... I I just... Again, I think Andrew Lincoln, sometimes I think we criticize him based on the way that it's written. Um, oh, T-Dog. Oh, I forgot he had been bitten outside. Yeah, I did oh, yeah. too. I completely forgot that. Oh yeah, this is this is the episode when you know Carol goes missing as well. Yeah, and I'd forgotten there was any Woodbury in this episode too. I thought it was an all prison episode. Rooker's gone on record as, as saying that that prosthetic he's wearing on his right arm caused nerve damage in his right hand. Really, I hadn't heard yes. that. Yeah, but he said he would, uh, he, you know, thoroughly enjoyed the part. I mean, he can use his hand, but obviously there's some things going on with it. But he said that it did, in fact, cause a little nerve damage, but he would do it again if he had to. It's a really great role for him. I mean, especially once they uh, removed some of the more uh, obnoxious characteristics from the character that he had in, in that first uh, episode and a bit that he showed up in in season one. And I think they kind of made it seem like maybe it was the drugs that was doing it. Yeah, the drugs, the heat stroke, and then the other time it was a dream sequence. Yeah, but but I mean, that maybe that had a lot to do with his personality type, and it, at this point he's kind of, one assumes, been kind of off the sauce, so to speak. Well, plus he has real incentive to be a, a team player at this sure. point, both with the governor and also with convincing Andrea to give him the information he wants. Sure. Still freaks me out every time I think of the first Fantastic Four movie. She was the Thing's wife. Was she? I've not uh, seen that since theaters, probably. Alicia Masters? Or yeah. Or, well, no, 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 not Alicia Oh, she I got gotcha. you. Oh, she was um, not the Corman think... Fantastic Four. The the Tim Story. The the right. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Michael Chiklis. Gotcha. She was the blonde that, when he came back from their mission, she freaked out when she saw him and left. How funny! She also was in the Shield. She played uh, in the final season of the Shield. She played this. Spoilers. I haven't seen it. No, no, no spoilers. She she plays okay. a federal agent in in the show. Oh, what a shot! The ha top half of that head just came real clean off. Mm -hmm. So she's been in two things with Chickless then? Yeah. They're friends. And Mazzaro was a big, big wig on the shield too, so. Oh, that's true. Rick is thinking right now, you know, that it was either uh, Oscar or... What the heck? Why am I drawing a... Axel. Uh, Axel. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, who else? Because he assumes the other guy's dead. With the uh, with the season in retrospect now, this scene works particularly well, just because it's such a weird. And I'm talking specifically about the the uh, 
not air raid sirens, but the sirens going off. It, it disjoints him. He doesn't know what to do. It's it's very unsettling, and it's almost the sense of if you didn't know what was going on, this guy's going crazy hearing it. But obviously, everyone does. But it, it works very well when you consider, you know, this is his last real experience before discovering that his wife is dead. Yeah, and, and you know, just leading into that madness there, like everything from the moment those zombies start attacking is just a whirlwind of craziness for him for the rest of the season. I'm surprised nobody's cut in that previous scene um, audio over of. Uh, Boring conversation anyway. Uh, Luke, we're going to have company. <laughs> oh, now I, now I want to do that. <laughs> so this means T-Dog only made into four episodes of the third season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Great use of that off-camera light there. Yeah. Carl's lucky he didn't get separated from him, too. Yeah. You know, if they had managed to uh, keep uh, Andrew alive and and not uh, so <laughs> disenfranchised with the group, he could have been very useful against the governor. This guy is very good at setting up traps and just general chaos. Yeah. Granted, he, he's a little bit more familiar with the uh, layout of the prison than he would be with, say, Woodbury, but... I also forgot this was the episode in which Lori bites it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I... That just looks like fun right there. Yeah. I really they... sucks to be the caddy, though, who has to go find all the balls. Well, they they probably stole one of those little machines, you know, that just runs out there and scoops them all up. <laughs> like a golf ball Roomba? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah, they have a they have a, a vehicle that the they drive that brushes it's got brushes on it and sucks up all the balls. Huh. It's caged cuz it's usually run while people are still actively t- driving. Gotcha. Although I don't know how effective it would be with all the uh, rubble out there, but true that. But I love that he's got the golf glove. You know, he's got the, you know, the shirt. He looks like he should be out on the golf course. The other thing too is it seemed like at this point in the season there was a lot of criticism that this governor seemed a lot kinder and gentler than. You know, the one from the comics. Oh, it was uh, a slow burn with this guy. Yeah, which I, it didn't, that didn't bother me at all. I, I didn't really understand that criticism because. Um, I think part of the, part of the problem some people had, myself among them, was was that it took him so long to get to the point when he just flipped 180 degrees and it was so sudden. He went from pretty sane to just roundabout nut job that happened really that happened too quickly for me i think if they had had him tune a little sooner sooner 
a little gradual, so maybe half the season he was sane, the rest of the season he was a nut job, or just keep him sane-ish throughout this whole season and have the last episode really mess with his mind and have that, you know, be the factor that that turns him into the nut job that we know and love. But, I, think, um, I think part of it, too, is it just a, a lot of the crazy was happening behind the scenes, and we we just weren't seeing it, you know. With with the whole heads in the you know the TVs and the daughter being kept you know a lot of that stuff he kept in the background and I think events happened that brought that to the forefront and there was no reason to put that facade on anymore. You know they did sprinkle it, you know throughout the season, but I don't I don't know that they gave us enough of it. And again, he's uh, a he, he's another series regular for season four, so we'll definitely be seeing him quite a bit. I feel like in retrospect, now that we're starting to rewatch these episodes, that it was maybe a little bit more gradual than it seemed like in the beginning. Like, even in that last scene where you're seeing his face twitch or, you know, n- not just the, the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, but he is playing everything with just that certain level of, of sociopath, you know, under the surface. He's a good liar, too, because in episode three, you know, he he uh, killed all those military guys at the helicopter. Yep. And then... He comes back to the town and gives him a wonderful performance, you know. Uh, so he's he knows what he's doing. He is uh, he's definitely um, a two faced type of guy. He's had a lot of experience uh, keeping this crazy secret. This has got to be weird for Carl right now. <laughs> I'd imagine it's weird for all the actors in particular, just to to have to play a fake birth. Yeah. Particularly in, in, in these circumstances. Just let gravity do the work. Now here's a weird question that none of us are qualified to answer. Is it stranger as an actress to do a birth scene if you have had a child or if you haven't had a child? In real life. I, w- I would assume it would help you uh, understand what's going on and that way you could probably oh here we go buddy T-Dog is just what a way to go out what an honorable death for this guy this is what I remember it's sad but seeing him do this for her is what a great guy oh my goodness hard to watch I remember just my jaw was on the floor when that happened. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It it kind of felt like from the beginning of the season that the season as a whole would have a much larger body count than it actually ended up having. I mean, granted, lots of people died, but most of them were in the uh, in the governor's camp. Yeah, and in the last one or two episodes, too. Yeah. Because where was the break? Episode 8? Yeah. Yeah, it was dead split, I think. So it was just so weird to have all all these deaths happening in the middle of the first half of the season. I mean, I think weird in a good way, but still still weird. She is a cutie pie, I'll give you that. Yep. Because you can imagine if this was still being done at the season one pace, 
Like, this episode would have been the season, or the series, not series, season finale for season three. Like, it would have taken you that long just to get to here. Yeah. Better days. Was that one of the names of the uh, trade paperback volumes? I think that was the third trade paperback was Better Days. It was a creepy look he just gave her. He's got a pretty good American accent, too, I think. Every once in a while, there's a little Liam Neeson in it, but it's still pretty good. It helps when you have that southern veneer you can throw over. You know, it's easier than doing, say, just a general you know, newscaster accent or something. Right. When there's a stereotypical type of accent that you're trying to mimic, it's it's easier to do an American accent that's regional as opposed to a non-regional American accent. Right. Although, I mean, I gotta give him credit. He doesn't, like, overplay the uh, Georgian accent at all. No, it's really well done. I was mistaken. Better Days is not a title of one of the trades. The actual third trade was Safety Behind Bars. Ah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Although Better Days sounds like it could have been one. I guess we're just mixing up Days Gone By was the pilot. I think that's what you're doing. Yeah. Psych. This room pops up a lot more in this season than I would have ever expected. Yeah. I was just just thinking the same thing. No way. You're dead. Some good uh, crazy eye acting there. Mm-hmm. Chewing the scenery. Again, how much does this suck for Rick? I mean, he's re- he's literally responsible for the events by, by his inaction of his wife's, de- you know, demise. Which, you know, Carl will bring up by the end of the season. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes in season three or season four, but at this point, I still think I mostly agree with Carl.
Daryl's always ready. He's probably like, dang, no, thank you, sorry, kiss my butt, nothing. <laughs> This is an impossible choice, and I think this is what really, I mean, regardless of what we thought about Lori or her part and the way it was written and everything else, this was just, I really, it was really uncomfortable for me to watch this this part of the episode. And I don't know if it was just because I was putting myself in that position, like how would I choose, what would I do? It it just it just it just made me uncomfortable to watch it, and not in a not in a really bad way, but just in a um, I think that speaks a lot for this show at times being a really good drama. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get to play those aspects as much considering it's more focused on the zombies and, and all that kind of stuff, particularly in this season. But when it does it well, you know, it's 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 right up there with the best shows on TV. Yeah. Lori Grimes, Mother of the Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for once, it's not actually sarcastic. Yeah. I, I know we've said it before, but I really I really hope that this show is going to last for, for many years. I, I could even see it like when they feel like, okay, the show is done, it's run its seven years or whatever, that they do like... I don't know, some sort of like Generation 2 or something where they can kind of, you know, flip it forward, change up the entire cast, and have it be like an older Carl, you know, maybe an older grizzled Carl, and it be the future. Because I think, I, I really think, and just reading the comic and not spoiling anything, but um, it, it's just becoming more and more his story. Um, and and he he just continues to be an interesting character. It's also interesting in that, you know, just the differences between TV and comics, I think Carl's aged more in the show than he has in the books. Yeah. And that's yeah. not to say he hasn't really matured and really gone really interesting places in the book. It's just due to uh, the realities of aging. Ugh, yeah. Due to the realities of aging, you know, this Carl gets to grow up a little bit faster. Yeah. 
And seeing things like that will definitely do that to a person. Yeah. I guess having chopped zombies' heads off and stabbed and shot and seeing entrails and everything else maybe has desensitized the you know everyone to the point where, especially for Maggie, where she could do something like this. Yeah, I mean, but it's still a living person. I mean, and even in like the set design, they make that blood brighter red. Yeah, you know, to to differentiate it from the zombies and. Congratulations! It's a two-month two-month-old baby. It's against the law to use fresh ones. <laughs> Does the law specifically call them fresh ones? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> This poor kid not only traumatized by the fact that he's had to see all this death and devastation and zombies, he's had to see his mother in front of God and everyone out there for everyone to see deliver a baby and be cut open. Now he's got to finish the job. It's like, ugh. We never know the answer to this, but I... I wonder if he waited until she started to turn. Maybe she started to move or her eyes opened. I mean, if memory serves, we don't see any kind of indicate. We don't actually see him do it. We hear a gunshot, but right. uh, I wonder. I mean, that's it right there. You know, it's quite possible right now in this very moment she's waking up. and It's interesting to speculate. I guess it's probably more humane to put her out of her misery. Yeah, but... Nothing makes it any easier. Just Yeah. I mean, how do you... I mean... Uh, uh, yeah, that kid's done for life. I mean, you, you can't... Yeah, big time. You can't recover from something like that. I don't care what what else good happens in your life. You're You're damaged. Although, honestly, with everything Carl's been through, he's probably saner than he has any right to be at this point in the show. No, that's true. Even by the end of the season. Poor T-Dog. Okay, now this is weird because when she left through that door, she was wearing that thing on her head, and she ran off, and why all of a sudden is it back here? And I think that was what threw us off, you know, after this episode, till we found her alive again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she was still wearing it when she ran away. She was, but she also ran into that bright white light, so yeah. it's, hard to ta- it's hard to say how far she actually got. Now, I talked about this on the show, but... When I actually recorded this episode, it, the episodes typically run over or start early on the DVR, 
and it actually started here. And it took me about 10 seconds from now to figure out that I was actually watching the end of the previous episode instead of the beginning of this episode. So... It's like, uh... Will do. Andrew Lincoln does a really good job with this scene. Like, some of his... Some of my favorite... Uh, stuff he did in this season was this last few minutes of this episode. And Lauren Cohan, too. I mean, she just sells it. That part right there, in particularly the Oh No Carl. Oh, yeah. That's just, ugh. It's heartbreaking and it makes your skin crawl at the same time. Yeah. It very much reminds me of, uh, a scene from Breaking Bad. Rush will know what I'm talking about, where, but just where uh, Walter White is uh, laughing in a crawl space at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just loses it and falls. That's just... Yeah, this is a hard scene to watch. And a great ending shot right there for the episode. Yeah. Carl's more zombie-like right now than he's ever been. The way he, that shot ended with him just kind of standing there walking real slow, literally looking like a zombie shambling along. That Man, was a rough episode. He's got to be in a state of shock at that point. So at this point, three people died in this episode, possibly four, or three quote-unquote main characters you know that have been involved with the story, Lori, T-Dog, and Andrew. And then at this point, we're still uncertain about Carol. Right. That was a rough episode. Yeah. Yes, it was. And I definitely, I mean, I said it before during the episode commentary, but you, you got to appreciate how out of the blue this was when it aired being the fourth episode of a 16-episode season. Yes. Like, this is not what you put in your fourth episode. Um because you you want to save those big dramatic moments, but they 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 knew they had enough coming down the pipe that they didn't have to hold off on this. Nobody expected this. I don't I don't think anybody would have expected two main characters to bite it in one episode that early. Right. So that's it for this episode. Like we said, we will be back soon with news from Comic-Con and all kinds of other great Walking Dead news that is out there. And if you don't want to wait for that new episode, you can check out uh, our Facebook page for the Walking Dead TV podcast where we post all that news as it happens. And then we talk about it later here on the show. So if you want to be right there on the cutting edge, follow that YouTube or that follow that Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail, 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out all of our other great HHWLOD.com shows, like Half Hour Wasted with Brad, uh, the LOD with uh, Russ and myself, The Black Box, out now, and our brand new shows, Jersey Shore, which features me, uh, Really BS, which has all the LOD guys, and uh, Real Heroes, which also has all of us. So... Uh, of course, all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, you really don't want to let the guy who's crazy 
go and just assume he's dead because it's going to come back to bite you and T-Dog as well. Have a good week, everybody. Take it easy. Good night.